What's up, everybody? Welcome to A Bit Unraveled Comedy Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hansinger. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of A Bit Unraveled. Happy to be back with you guys. Happy to have you here. I'm very excited for our guest this week, so I'm not going to waste a lot of time. Let's get right into it. Uh, he's a fantastic improviser. Uh, him and I have been on the same improv team for the past, going on 10 years now. Uh, he's a, an amazing TV writer. He's written for The Mindy Project, Never Have I Ever, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, and Champions, just to name a few. He's also an on-screen actor. Uh, very funny guy. Very happy to have him with us. Please welcome to the show, Chris Slyker. There we are. How you okay. doing? Pretty good, you know, all things considered. All things considered. Lots going on right now. Yeah, fair amount. Yeah. Um, for instance, it's uh, it's Friday, so that's uh, a good place to start. You got, you got Friday, plans. huge. Weekend plans are always uh, on the people's minds. Um, yeah, I've got a big event uh, with just me and my boyfriend in my house uh, tonight. Then tomorrow, uh, it'll be me and my boyfriend in my house. Right. Sunday, maybe go to the backyard. Nice. Oh, a change change of pace. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, I'm a, feeling. Do you, you have a yard where you're at now? I now, we. I just moved in November. I have a very small yard that only gets light in the morning. So I am always, I never catch the sun. Really? Oh, it's still, the yard's a yard. That's it's hard to get in LA. I, I there's a hammock out there the previous people left behind, and I was in it the other day, like trying to read. But I was like, I'm very much performing leisure right now, like holding a book, like because like I'm supposed to like enjoy this rather than like doing it spontaneously. Like, oh, that'd be a good thing to do. I'm like, I have a hammock. I have to use. I got stressed out about my unused yeah. hammock. I've had hammocks in the past, and I, I see a lot of people with them uh strapped up to balconies in, in my apartment complex mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. <clears throat> i feel like it always looks like you said more comfortable and stuff than it is it's i a couch is so much better yeah. <laughs> also tony like fully flipped out of it like a charlie chaplin movie the first time he sat in it so Did he he's really? scared, he's scared of it going now. into it mm. it have happened um do you have do you have baby boy this weekend uh no i'll probably see him next weekend um he's getting big i know uh, he just uh passed a year right he turned a year in uh november 15th good yeah. i can remember that uh he is about as old as the novel coronavirus they both wow. debuted around the same time yeah wow so and oh, and baby yoda's around the same age all three of them are really going through uh, nice. the world together at the same age yeah it's beautiful it's nice to have companions uh mm -hmm. is that he knows like five people in the world right now including baby yoda that's nice that's a good person mm -hmm. that's a good top five yeah yeah um uh is it weird is it weird like raising a child in this environment um yeah i mean uh luckily i'm just like a helpful donor dad who comes in and like plays with him when with his mom and stuff okay. but so i don't have to do any like real heavy lifting uh okay rearing a child wise but yeah yeah i mean he's a little baby who doesn't get to really experience much of the world but yeah. has a beautiful he's a little bit like um the child in the movie room but a, a happier version of that yes a uh, he slightly only knows. larger room <laughs> uh he goes on walks in the park and stuff but like yeah. actually he's lucky to like experience it this year of your life you could choose one year to experience a global pandemic the year you will have no recollection of it all is a, is a good one it's a good year yeah mm -hmm. uh yeah at least he doesn't feel like he's wasting it yeah uh, yeah that's cool um well it's good to see you uh it's been mm -hmm. forever i don't think we actually got to see each other when i got back i'm trying to remember yeah, there was a show we were supposed to do together because we famously do the most deranged improv scenes together yeah uh, uh we're two people both of us have a crazy idea yeah we'll each one of us will step out and do their crazy idea and rather than yes ending the other person will say the crazy idea they also had planned <laughs> and we'll try to make them fit yeah and it's you know, good and, and then magic happens yeah that's then uh, yeah is what we hope for is, is what we hope for. has to stress out about how to fix it yeah uh yeah we're notorious for that mm -hmm. <laughs> 
We're like, yes, and, but also is, yeah. is our, uh, our preferred method. I'm the accountant on this spaceship. Uh, that's pretty weird to say in the middle of this beauty pageant. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get a beauty pageant on a spaceship yeah. and it becomes a, spaceship. a yeah, weird, the interesting The accountant has wandered into and then Chad comes yeah. in and uh, kills us all. And um, yeah, picks one of us up. <laughs> he slings hurts up someone's shoulder. back. Yeah. yeah, the fireman's carry just has to be ready for it at any moment. Any moment, yeah. Um, yeah, I talked to him a little bit about that with his his wrestling days, and that's definitely he brings all of that into improv. You yeah, got to be ready for it. You got to be. My, I used to God, I used to drop into the splits all the time in improv, and like I've been slowly losing my flexibility over the years. But yeah. I've injured myself many a time during yeah. the scene. Well, you're super flexible. Because, uh, well, I mean, uh, as I know, and uh, you, you've used to do figure skating, which is probably where you got the flexibility. Or like, yes, like trained yes. that flexibility. Yeah, do, you, do you still skate in like, uh, like, obviously not this year, but do you ever do mm -hmm. like the down at Santa Monica or anything? Um, it's a weird thing because it's like hard to do leisurely hmm. first of all i was a pair skater with my sister and she's a country away from me um but also like it's this like i'll go like once a year when there's not a global pandemic yeah uh and it's this thing where my brain can do every jump every spin the same that i used to but like my body has changed yeah. this is like reminder that we're all like slowly headed for the grave like <laughs> like, like the things i can't quite do anymore yeah. And I went to the rink in Burbank uh, and like was warming up, laced up everything and like going around the rink. And there was this like 16 year old kid doing like triple, triple combinations. And I was like, well, I'm gonna show you what grandpa can do. And then like three jumps in, I threw out my back. And then someone else came to be like, are you the new coach here? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I got old. It's fine. It's fine. But you, but what's, what's, uh, I, I like that you still try the jumps. Like I thought maybe you would just go, just leisurely do it and just to just to feel the skates on and like feel the ice uh yeah, but you're actually a, like i'm gonna do some jumps again yeah i mean there's a thing where like during the winter like it'll be fun to go like skating at a rink with like tons of people and like mm -hmm. i want to go do what i used to do not just like go in a circle around and around and like have to dodge people yeah and it's a bit like i when i was a competitive skater i used to refer to it as like when people in the winter want to go skating it's like asking a like commercial fishermen to go fishing on the weekend for fun it's like this is what i do all the time dude. right so, but yeah. um yeah, i always enjoy I'll it when i can but i i'm the i'm the just the guy trying to stay up for the most part i do okay but i'm not like mm -hmm. i'll try i'll try the the two-footed jump you know that yeah or like you could jump over a, a broomstick uh, a bunny hop yeah a bunny hop i could do that but that's about the extent of it but i enjoy it i, I enjoy we, we went on a uh mindy product retreat in vegas during the winter once and there was the ice rink we went to and i secretly packed one of my old costumes to wear and like uh mindy filmed me doing a spin in the middle of the ice <laughs> but through the background of the scene uh our showrunner matt is like bent over on like a little like seal crate thing for toddlers going so <laughs> slowly through the back of the frame while i'm like oh. spinning in the center but it's, it's an instagram vid that gets brought up a lot in the room that's amazing um that's awesome mm -hmm. uh, i think juxtaposition. what's that juxtaposition in comedy right right, right exactly that's my lecture that i'll give with that video i'm playing yeah there we go um well with that i i do want to segue a little bit and talk about your uh your writing path and stuff because it's uh it's fascinating you and you started a, a while back uh with uh the harvard lampoon yes uh which yes i found an old article recently which uh deemed you most interesting harvard's most interesting i was one of harvard's 15 most interesting seniors yeah that's most which yeah. It's, it's better than graduating summa cum laude in, in my book right right um, i was seen as because that was the time period where I had just been president of the Lampoon. I had just been on Jeopardy and I had my ice skating past. Oh, and I was in the, the Hasty Pudding theatricals too, like their big drag musical. So like yeah. a lot, all of my interesting things happened in like one year. So I had a really good case. Yeah, I didn't know you were on Jeopardy. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating. Um, yeah. That's awesome. In, while, while I was in college, I did adult Jeopardy. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I lost by two dollars. No, really? Yeah. I'll never forget it. Damn it. Is that was that when you wrote it in too, and you're like, uh, I'll I'll bet a uh, hundred and two dollars that I can get this. Yeah. Well, so I was leading going into that final question, and when you're winning, you can guarantee that you win if you get the final question right by just betting enough that if the second place person doubled their money, you have one more dollar. Yes. So I did that bet. All three of us missed the question. And the third place person had done this super small hedge bet where he won by $2, knowing that I would make that bet. Because yeah. the first place person usually makes that bet because it's like pretty like, it, as long as you don't hate the category, it's like, yeah, it was celebrity marriages too. I was like, oh, I'm going to get this. Um, yeah. yeah. And um, that guy won seven games. So That's good for him. Gun. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. Um, now with, with uh, I was trying to like look at the difference. So the Harvard Lampoon was the initial, uh, like the founding basically company of uh, a magazine of National Lampoon. Yes. But National Lampoon no longer <laughs> exists, correct? Yes. I think it ended so in 98. That or so. then it lingered on. Okay, so the Harvard Lampoon was a comedy magazine at Harvard, started in 1876. Um, it was sort of based on Punch magazine in the UK. Uh, it's like the world's oldest continuously published humor magazine or whatever. Hmm. Um, in the 60s or 70s, some of the graduates went on to create National Lampoon. I should know the actual history of this better, uh, well, it's, which it's... made Films like that Chevy were, Chase uh, and stuff, right? Was that was that Chevy Chase in them? Was that? Yeah, yeah. He he uh, was in many national anthem things, um, and the, the films that you know, like Animal House and whatever. Right. Yeah. E eventually, it became a thing where like all those creators had left, and uh, they were just licensing out the name National Lampoon to like a bunch of like direct to DVD movies. Um, and now I think it is the national brand is defunct. Well we continue to like struggle to put out five issues of our magazine per year with like very hard to understand uh, humor that the campus all hates. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and now, and now I, I, does that still exist as a publication? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, but is it still, a, is it still a hard copy magazine or is it like it's still hard copy? I oh. get them in the mail as a loyal subscriber alumnus. Uh, cool. But, uh, yeah, it's wild that we're committed to print media in this world. Yeah. Every every year, someone's running for President Lampoon. They say, we're going to fix the website this year. We're going to get really into web content. Yeah. <laughs> we never do. It's 2020. We've never done it. <laughs> There's such an Our outlet for it. Like, that could be, yeah. like, they could totally have a presence, like a funnier die or, uh, that's yeah, so funny. The, the thing is, it's like, it's extracurricular at school. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's true. Yeah. And, like, you're not kind of like start like a video production thing. It's in this like old mock Flemish brick, like castle-like building. Mm -hmm. that like, it's always in need of updates and stuff. It's like not <laughs> a super high-tech place. And like yeah. people like in their spare time outside of classes, like doing things, it's always like been seen or a lot of alums try to encourage people to see it as like a place, like a playing ground to do weird stuff. Yeah. Um, that you're never going to do again in your career. Um, yeah. Makes so sense that's probably why it's, a, it's such a strange um, magazine. Yeah. And it's also, it has the, the benefit, I think, of many things like, uh, especially uh, comedy schools like UCB, Second City, of like just funny people being around funny people in one space, yeah. they learn a lot from each other. And like the competition of like, who's gonna get their pieces in the magazine, like encourages everyone to like up their game. And yeah, so like kind of has a structure like that, that that's helpful. Yeah, that's super cool. I mean, uh, yeah, it's great to to have an outlet like that and, and, and start. I, I I picked my college based on the fact that they had a sketch comedy group. That was good. Um, and then um, the fact that they didn't require an essay, which makes it clear yeah. I didn't go to Harvard. Um, Essays overrated. Yeah, my um, uh, my favorite part of that uh, that uh, article, the the write up for the most interesting was was when they were talking about your parents and they were like mm -hmm. he's from he's uh his mom bill and mary uh, of lockler street and i was mm -hmm. like where, i was like where where is this where is it's, oh was that from my local paper maybe 
I, it was like the Daily Chronicle or something like that. But it was just like, yeah, it it sounded something. It sounded so like like British royalty, where they're like, um, yes, mm. uh, the the Duke of Cavendish or something. Um, there's something so I'm from like suburban Boston, yeah. and there's something like so old timey about New England um, that when I had like a local like um, town selectman or whatever write one of my recommendations for college, and in it he was like. His, he comes from good stock and his grandfather was a firefighter. And I think he would make a great actor, senator, or astronaut. I'm like, what is this 1965? Like what's going on? That's amazing. But like, thank you to this man who I had never met before. But my mom's like, you should get a recommendation from him. <laughs> That's amazing. I like his, his spread. Mm -hmm. He can do the arts, yeah. medicine, or space. Yeah. That's amazing. Space. Um, so now uh, moving from there, so like obviously you, you moved to LA and, and mm. you know, we met doing improv and stuff. And shortly mm. after, like pretty soon after that, you you got into working on the Mindy Project. Yes. Um, now, now a lot of different writers, I've had several writers on this show. I've, I've obviously like know many writers throughout uh, my experience here in LA and stuff. And everybody definitely has like their different path uh, to getting into to stuff like that. Um, did you, I don't think you went the assistant route at all. I believe like you did the, um, uh, the, what's it called? Shoot. The, but you sent like the sample, like, uh, correct. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit plucked from obscurity. Uh, I had been uh, like an intern assistant for Sasha Baron Cohen when I first got out here through mm. some alums who were writing a movie for him, needed someone to do, go get lunches for them and whatnot. Um, so I had tried that sort of path. Um, and I was doing UCB stuff with you guys and mm -hmm. trying to create humor online on Twitter and stuff. And sort of through a confluence of all of those things, um, Mindy became aware of me. Um, uh, one of her, or two of her writers were Harvard guys who were vaguely aware of me and like my mm -hmm. Twitter account. And she started following me. Um, Tipper, who is in our improv group, yeah. and I've done many shows with at UCB, she auditioned for the pilot of Mindy Project and she was one of the finalists to play the secretary. Um, so they really liked her. Um, and through like a bunch of, and I, I kind of have met BJ Novak socially a, a couple of times. So like, there were like a couple different prongs of like she'd been introduced like my name was in her ether mm -hmm. that she asked for me and Tipper together to submit a sample for her season one, yeah. Uh, oh no no season one I think she asked for my sample yeah I did not hear did not hear back did not get a meeting <laughs> season two came looking again asked for me and Tipper to submit samples together uh, and then for me solo uh, and then I got a meeting uh, and uh, that went well and then I was a staff writer on season two through the end of the series oh. and Tipper ended up playing a different secretary on the show towards the end and yeah. I ended up playing a very uh, unhelpful nurse at the end. Which we loved. Uh, mm -hmm. We just, uh, I just recently watched, because I'd watched some earlier stuff and then I went back and I, I was like, I got to see uh, some of your episodes and stuff. So we just watched um, the final episode, season 10 mm -hmm. or season six, episode 10, where, where yeah. you were playing the nurse and we were dying. <laughs> Ashley it was is... cracking up. She, she made sure she was like, tell him how hard I was laughing. Because you had this perfect line of like, is she go like, is she okay? And you're like, it, you're too late. She's moved to room B. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that he, was great. I have such a climactic moment in the series finale, which is unearned. I, we've already said goodbye to like many beloved series cast members, like like Baron Holt and stuff. Mm -hmm. Only for many to like run through to a romantic song, like through the streets to run into like gay unhelpful me at the desk who is clearly <laughs> planned to like ruin like mess with her be like yeah she thinks that danny's mother like has just had like a surgery like might be dead You're right i'm like it's too late she's been moved to room b and <laughs> i don't know how i we got really deranged towards the end that that was allowed to happen um yeah but it was fun was character play he's very one-dimensional which i excel in only exists to make mindy's life harder yeah that was great we loved it mm -hmm. um no it was fun and then of course tipper was in that episode as well mm -hmm. uh which is cool oh, karen yeah it was, it was that was she was karen 
Yeah, before the name became a, a slur, she she was a, a <laughs> Karen. Oh God, her last name. I think she was Karen Jean Simmons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's I think we funny. wanted her to be Karen Jean Shorts for a while. Yeah. Karen Jean Simmons. Yeah. I didn't realize that Tipper had been on that like on their radar for that long too. I didn't realize you guys kind of went in as a pair. Yeah. Um, well, we had both been like spotted separately, and I think Minnie was like, "Wait, the." Then I had invited a bunch of those people to see our very first UCB show, mm -hmm. um, Buzz and Diane, which mm -hmm. was like a Donnie and Marie parody in the 70s, where you're at a live show. I believe you had a role in that, as did Chad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so like, wait, these two people that we like, like and know differently, like work together and write things together. Like maybe they're a writing team, which like we kind of had to like fudge. And then like, I think they realized yeah. we weren't actually like a, a TV writing team. We were like quite live. Um, live shows at UCB whereas I was more on the TV writing path yeah um but that's yeah funny. It's weird. I didn't realize you guys like that that's such a funny coincidence though that they picked like plucked you guys both and then happened to just be on the same improv team and like good friends and everything like that that's uh that's awesome yeah, I mean, and, then they, and then they found now did you end up writing her in or is that something they were like we gotta find a way to get her involved for a long time, because Mindy loves Tipper, there have been like, we got to find a part for her. And then like one season, I think we just like literally like brainstormed like what would be a good part for Tipper yeah. uh, on the show. And it was the the new new secretary around the office. Um, yeah. And she was great at that and got to um, be with Fortune Feenster on the show, which was yeah. such a funny pair. Um, yeah. I loved her. I loved her in that last episode, too, where because it was just it, it was kind of a perfect character for her because she she just played her like she mm -hmm. plays the tipper that you and i know and and uh i mean especially when she had to deliver this sad news to the guy like it just it all it just worked i was like that's that's tipper yeah i mean when someone like has that great of like a natural personality like why do i want her to do like an extra character on top of this like yeah the audience will be so pleased just to see this like delightful person yeah um but yeah that was i wonder when she came was season four five six they, so we were on like fox at first mm -hmm. uh, i was there for like two seasons got canceled got brought back on hulu mm -hmm. and uh hulu made us do not made us it was, uh, i'm very grateful to be a hulu great people yeah. but we did 26 episodes in a row for our season four rather than two 13 uh episode seasons which is like nowadays like the most unheard of long season of all time yeah so like when you're breaking episode like 18 out of 26 you're like okay there's a baseball game and a new secretary's in town <laughs> yeah do you find that i mean is that a whole lot i mean it's got it's got to add so much to it because you notice in some of these like longer seasons that you get these filler episodes and stuff like that because you i mean you, you come out with a season arc and yeah and there's but to have a season arc of 26 episodes or something that's got to be the, the difference is like in 10 you can pretty much know every story before you start like at least have broad strokes like this is happening here this year this year mm -hmm. and now with like the way they run rooms like you'll frequently are done with the episodes or almost all the episodes by the time you start hmm. in a in a 26 24 22 structure you're just like trying to get a head start with like some scripts and then you're going to start filming and then you're going to be racing the clock like as you keep filming and you're writing scripts the whole way through. So yeah. you have like the series, you, you, you like know when this, where the season's probably going to end and some like tent poles in between of like big breakup here, the office explodes here or whatever. Yeah. But, like sometimes you're like, we got to stretch to get to that point or like compress. Um, so yeah. I really, I like the 10 episode structure a lot. So you can like know where we're going, but like, sure. It did always feel a bit like when we were comparing comedies that were doing like 24 to ones that were doing 10, it's like, it's a different genre almost. Like yeah, you're almost, you're not like at like the SNL level, but like the amount that you're, and not to say it's like rushed or anything, but you just don't have that time to like sit and like make sure sometimes you're like, actually the one good thing about it is the season is long enough that sometimes you get feedback from the audience about like how they were feeling about a character and you could like turn the ship like while the season was still going whereas totally. now it's like oops you don't like that guy well he's going to be in every episode yeah that i mean that is interesting because then it's like um i feel like there's in a longer one there i mean i should ask but like do you feel like there's more opportunity at all for people uh in the writing staff to jump in and say i have this crazy idea like 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to necessarily fit the, the whole storyline as long as I don't screw up the storyline. But yeah, to do like those fun one-off episodes of like, I want to I go play laser tag. I think that'd be a fun episode. There's definitely room for episodes that like have no like huge plot purpose. Like mm-hmm. kind of sometimes with 10, you're like, okay, we only get to tell 10 stories. Like is like I put a whoopee cushion under her seat, like really worthy of one of these 10. Yeah. When you're like, we need episode 19, man. Yeah, let's see. Let's follow this. Let's follow let's get that. that in here. All yeah. the fun of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pigeon Stories is like so collaborative uh, that like everyone's ideas, I think, are pretty welcome if it will spark a good um, story and discussion. Yeah. And that, that kind of leads me to another question I've had because uh, you know, I've, I've listened to other uh, podcasts and talked with other people about like the different roles in a writing room. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like there's a lot of different I don't know. There's different ways you can contribute. You know, you could be the guy who, who's really good at taking notes. You could be more of an idea mm-hmm. generator who's tossing out ideas, but doesn't, doesn't necessarily maybe isn't as good at following through or executing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if you could talk about some of these different roles or like if there's a one where you think you thrive in. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stereotype in a comedy room is that like you can get pigeonholed as a story person or a joke person, mm-hmm. and like some person who's better at the big picture ideas and the series stuff and oh like act two like needs a turn here or like that's expected or and then the joke person who's like pitching the very funny jokes for the dialogue for the characters and like very useful in punch up and I definitely came from the world of being a joke person I think that was like what stood out in my samples because mm-hmm. at the lampoon it was like very much like how many jokes like per line are in like a piece mm-hmm. like almost like too dense to read like <laughs> it's such a bizarre <laughs> thing. um yeah. uh, but like and like Twitter, which like is a great place for jokes when it's not like stoking the rise of fascism around the world, uh, right. w- was also like a good training ground for like short little jokes. Um, so especially as a first year writer, like a staff writer, story editor, um, you're not coming in to be like, Mindy, you're wrong about this story. Totally. Uh, I really don't think they should break up here. Um, <laughs> you're, you have to be more of like a yes Anderson on story and be like, okay, like, I, I love that idea is great what if this thing also happened on that like uh, um yeah. but wait uh, the place where the I think the playing field is the most level like across all seniority mm-hmm. is jokes because the funniest one is going to get in unless you're in like some weird super political room um yeah. so that was the way for me to get like my stuff in the earliest I think was to like just be like on my game and like ready and like trying to pitch a good joke constantly to get in the script and then you'd be like so proud when I like made it to the table draft and made it to air um yeah and a become better at story as i've gone on but like i definitely came fully from the joke person camp at first yeah i mean that's yeah and i feel like everybody like any young writer would have to try to figure out like yeah how do i fit in because you know it's like you don't want to overstep your bounds but you want to make sure you're contributing and yeah it's just like finding out how do i play a role and make myself usable yeah and you know it's i don't envy I just had like blind confidence, like unearned, but like now looking back at it, like I'm terrified for myself in that room. Um, but it's a hard thing to balance as a first year uh, staff writer because we always tell people like, listen more than you talk, like read the room. Like you don't want to be that person who's talking over people who are more senior. Yeah. Um, but also I've seen people be so freaked out and so scared they like didn't really contribute enough to warrant being rehired. So right, yeah, it's really like, finding your moments to get in and where your value is. And I remember I was like rooting for you to succeed. Like that's the thing yeah. someone told me like after I, like I was so much a writer that I wasn't like going on auditions anymore. But like yeah. the thought that when you go in an audition, like they're rooting for you to do a good job and solve their problem. Like mm-hmm. it would be amazing for them if you came in and did the best job. Like, so like also the staff writer, like when you pitch, like everyone wants it to be good. People aren't like, oh, I know this is going to be bad. Like. Yeah. We like we want to go home. We don't want to like order dinner. Like, please let this pitch be good. So yeah, when when you talk about, uh, I mean, you don't have to audition, which is a fun thing because like, mm. well, I I don't know, maybe you do, but like, how do you? Because you've ended up in a lot of episodes that you've worked on as a writer, but like, yeah, are you auditioning for these, or is it something you kind of write yourself into, or you make that suggestion? The very first time I was on the mini project, actually, I wasn't the nurse. I was a receptionist for a brain surgeon named Chip. Yeah. And he had like three lines. Um, I was like, welcome to like the Center for the Criminally Insane, something stupid. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I need to find a moment when I'm like screwing up where I feel like I can act because like 
I was like SAG eligible so I could be on the show, um, but I didn't want to like waste like my one opportunity on the show on something that would like, get cut or be stupid. So like mm-hmm. there was plot importance to the part. It like had a joke in it. And I asked Mindy and Matt, our showrunner, like, can I read for it? Because I'm like, yeah. I'm not gonna like, can you give it for me? And they're like, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to drive out to Santa Monica and report against everyone. And wow. I got it, but they were like, yeah, you were the best. But like, it was a way of proving like, hey, I don't think I am just like owed this. Like, I want to like show you and like the casting people. Like, they're not just like, because some shows have like thrown all their writers on and you can very much tell like, oh, this is a writer cameo. Right, so I wanted yeah. to like set myself apart from that. But after that, yeah, Mindy was like, oh, we got to like get you on the show in some part. And we like invented Nurse Chris and Nurse Guy. Guy Brennan was another writer on the show who mm-hmm. that's my first appearance with us together, gossiping around the hospital. And Guy comes back again, I think, in a couple more episodes. Um, but then that was just, those were fun and they kept recurring. And I've been on now, <laughs> all of the shows I've worked with Mindy, I appear at least once. I'm I've, like the Lincoln character yeah. in the universe. In, so and I'm several a, several nurses now, like you're typecasting yourself as a nurse. I was a nurse in Champions as well. And he was also named Nurse Chris. Yeah. And it like was like weirdly like linking the universe in a way that like broke everything. Cause like Mindy's in both as different characters. Yeah. And at one point it got cut. Anders was like, Nurse Chris, <laughs> like this is not essential for him to be saying like my name. <laughs> so that got cut, um, was filmed. And then on um, Four Weddings and a Funeral, I am briefly. Wait, they cut, they cut your part of. of uh... No, I'm on the show, but they cut oh. Anders calling me Nurse Chris. So got I'm credited okay. just as nurse. Gotcha. So okay. So it could believably be a different person, same yeah, personality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and then on um, Four Weddings and a Funeral, I'm briefly in a hot tub yeah. uh, on a fake reality show, like Love Chalet, which is like Love Island during the winter, um, as like a British person with like tattoos named Chris. Um, and I, I have truly two lines and they made me get a spray tan and like body tattoos. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> I remember just showing up on Instagram and I was like, what is Chris doing? I was just and like, also, yeah, that's so funny. I had hired a personal trainer because I knew I was going to be on stage shirtless for two lines. And then I ended up in a hospital in Paris with an intestinal blockage that made me lose like 12 pounds like the week before I had to shoot it, which was amazing. But this is exactly what I hired that trainer for trying to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I did find out when I when I got back, my trainer like measures like, oh, all of the weight you lost was muscle. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, but they made me get full spray tan, full tattoos. And uh, I was gonna shoot on like Friday <laughs> and th- we ran long and they had to bump me. So I had to scrape off my tattoos, get re-spray tanned, re-tattooed for to shoot on Monday, which was like the most work ever for like a part, like people who watch the show were like, wait, I didn't see you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's on the TV in the background. <laughs> like, oh you can, my you, if you focus. How funny. Um, but you were, then, you were um, sick beforehand and then you, you like, you were I had okay. booked the part, um, uh, which was like tricky with like British unions or whatever, but like I got yeah. it. Uh, and cause I was living in London we were shooting it over there and everything. Yeah. Um, and then because I had been in London so long, they, to renew my visa, they were like, you have to go to Paris and come back, we'll pay for it for the weekend. Yeah. Um, Cause you can only be in like here for this long term visa expires and you come in on a new visa. And I was like, LOL, like, ooh, big, big trouble. I have to go to Paris for the weekend. Like right. so smug about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. On the train to Paris, I got sick, like was like barricaded in the bathroom the whole time, like puking, oh, like couldn't man. walk. I got to the hotel, was like, like screaming in agony. And my boyfriend's like, I think I can push like dinner by like an hour if that helps. I'm like, no, look, I'm dying here. And then we went to the other hospital and my, my small intestine was blocked. So I spent oh, like man. four days in a French hospital with like a tube through my nose, like trying to dissolve it. Oh. But all to say, my biggest fear was that they were going to have to do surgery and I would lose the part because I have like a big surgical scar. Oh, um, so we avoided that and I came back like the skinniest I've ever been, like pants falling off. Um, yeah. To luckily, someone down there is looking out for me, getting me sick. Uh, so I'll look good for the show. Yeah, in that and in the background on the TV. And yeah. mm-hmm. and Did now you... I've uh, never have I ever my final parts or most recent, hopefully not final. Uh, I'm Mr. Schleicher, the drama teacher, in a couple of. Ebbs. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, mm-hmm. Fantastic mm-hmm. show. And you're writing on that as well, right? You're, you're 
I mean, you're, yes. you're writing on all of these. Um, but yeah, I watched. Uh, I watched the in, first. Uh, I think I watched the first two episodes, and I skipped ahead and watched mm-hmm. a couple of years. I think five and eight. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, five yeah, and five. Yeah. Doing one of the things I've always wanted to do as an actor which is to watch a start being skeptical of someone watch a performance and like tear up and like slowly clap yeah um one of my great ambitions and i've fulfilled it that off uh i just want you to now book uh, a scientist and Mm -hmm. an astronaut Mm -hmm. and fulfill this this uh old man's dream kingdom to die in space and then like my helmet comes off and like i freeze (laughs) that'd be awesome yeah That'd be great, like yeah. the the classic thing where you sacrifice yourself in space because there's like not enough like fuel or oxygen for two of you like right. save yourself and I cut like my line. That'd be a great. That'd be a great. Off, yeah, uh, yeah I write that. Write write that in. Never have I ever. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, teacher it's goes to space. Big. I mean, that It'll almost be... happened on. Oh, that did happen on Challenger. They sent a teacher to space. R.I.P. Krista McAuliffe. Oh God. Um, they were going to send. Do you know they were going to send Big Bird on Challenger? What? There was a plan to do like a Sesame Street like segment from space because like Park Challenger is like going to be educational. That's why I have the teacher on there. Okay. Uh, and they were they had like the suit and stuff like ready to go, and they decided not to do it. But like Big Bird would have died on the Challenger if that had gone through. Oh my god, that would have been terrifying. <laughs> Kids would that have been, been very bad. Yeah. Kids would have been ruined, mm-hmm. uh, and then no one would ever want to go to space again. No, no. Did you did you always want to be? Did all right. So did you ever have a, a path for yourself? Because obviously you did you did comedy, you did writing, you mm-hmm. did acting. Did you ever want to be like, did you mo- want to be more of an actor, more of a writer? Or did you ever feel like you had were going to have to choose at any point? Um, it's weird because I've like had both parts of my life. Like I started skating when I was five and that was like very like performing. Um, but I also like, I remember like my first ob- like ambition was like to write a book because like mm-hmm. I love like reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and those two things like very much existed like separately in my life. Like I'd like do the school plays and like I'd, I remember in kindergarten I'd like write like parodies of like nursery rhymes, which is like wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> I would in, love. Have, have you drawn these? Like seen these since? There's I would one love to like pull those up at a at a holiday. I, like I don't know how it continues, but it's like it like starts with like hickory dickory dock the mouse ran down the clock it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. opposite <laughs> yeah so, ooh. Parody. child parody i love it um uh and then like i guess going to college i was like maybe harvard doesn't really have like a drama major you can do it as a, a minor which mm-hmm. i did but i did english um so like but mainly like literary criticism like writing about like John Updike's novels rather than like, I took one creative writing class once. Mm. I think my prose is very bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I kept writing these like short stories I thought were like so dark. And then like teacher kind of like, no, it's like, oh, Chris, like, first of all, so funny as always. And I'm like, no, this was supposed to be dark. This is like my <laughs> black soul. They just pinned you. They pinned you as the, the funny guy or the funny writer. That's I also funny. hate just like describing like how a room looks. <laughs> Yeah. Like if we're writing dialogue in this band, like let the set deck figure it out. Right. Um, yeah. But in college, I kind of fell into comedy writing through like, well, spite. Because um, my roommate was like obsessed with the Harvard Lampoon at, in high school. Hmm. And when hmm. he came to visit, I'd like gone to see and stuff. So he was going to an intro meeting there. And I went with him. I'm like, oh, this is funny. I'll try out. And the first semester of trying out got rejected. Uh, as is almost everyone takes usually several tries mm-hmm. and I was like oh no you can't tell me I can't get into the comedy thing right. so it took three semesters of me trying and trying and becoming obsessed with getting in to do it and then once I was there I was like started to because you don't really think much about tv writers as like a profession I think growing up or you didn't used to or yeah. maybe um no. so I like had learned about alums who gone to work for SNL and the Simpsons and like being like one step removed from people who had done it I was like oh wait that's actually a, a cool job um but when i moved out to la it was definitely like i was wanted to try writing and acting mm-hmm. it's kind of i felt like if i was ever going to get into things it was probably going to be writing my own parts yeah um, which is very much what something i admire about mindy created like her own play that uh, matt and ben they got her noticed and got her on the office uh mm-hmm. and lots of people have been like yes yeah, someone who has my personality or looks like me or isn't traditionally a lead um, maybe I have to create the thing that I'm perfect for. Uh, oh, that's cool. So I didn't realize that, she'd gotten her like 
uh, some recognition off of a play like that too. Uh, her first, or not her first play, but the, the play that she blew up from was uh, her and her friend this play Matt and Ben where they played Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Oh, you know uh, what? I have heard about this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, all it takes is something like weird and fuzzy like that to get you kind of like, no, it's like, who, who are they? What do they do? What, and like having your specific point of view out there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'll take being an actor every day. Writing's hard. I hate doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely, I think the harder of the two, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it, I don't you know, know. Doing, re- doing really good acting is hard. Doing my kind of acting is so easy. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, that's all I want to do. I just want to do, I just want to be mm-hmm. me on screen. I don't want to do, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. We have Meryl Streep for that. Yeah. I'm here to be a nasty gay nurse who is going to ruin your day. Right. Like we've been watching, uh, we've been watching the crown and, uh, mm-hmm. watching John Lithgow, uh, on the crown. And he is a comedic actor who's playing very mm-hmm. serious roles as, uh, Winston Churchill. And I admire it. But right now, I just want to be the third rock guy. Like, you know, I just, yeah, yeah. Like, I just want to, I want to be goofy. I want to be myself. I don't, I, I don't, I just, that sounds fun in, to me. In college, I would weirdly in plays get cast in like the most serious dramas as the villain. <laughs> like, that really? is like the one thing I can lock into in a drama. Cause like, I think like all villains are like a little bit funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're so, it's so, funny to be like so obsessed with doing bad things like, yes. mm, yummy <laughs> i i love funny bad guys uh mm-hmm. one of my favorite uh funny bad guys is andrew scott uh, oh yeah from fleabag but then he was mm-hmm. in um sherlock as a yeah, bad yeah. guy and he is fantastic and he is so such weird. a funny villain that like i would totally I, w- I would love to play a funny villain i think that would be fun. Mm-hmm. that would be so much fun Mm-hmm. um and they're it's fun to watch yes. yeah they're so fun to watch they just enjoy it so much but then they're like yeah they just the fact it that they have time to like make jokes while they're like trying to carry out this evil plan i don't want to like play any villain who like you then see like a flashback and you learn that i had like a rough childhood and that's what made me what i am i want to be like a psychopath who just like wants to like blow up the world and live on the moon like <laughs> james bond <laughs> Just yeah, just uh, yeah. The world domination, not. I have a huge laser, like yeah. Yeah, there wasn't anything twisted. You just have high aspirations in the wrong direction. Yeah, I like yeah. that. That's the the James Bond. James Bond usually has some pretty funny. I feel like yeah, they're, usually, I mean, they're clever for sure. Yeah, they've gone a bit more towards becoming like Jason Bourne movies recently with Daniel Craig, which like many people love. They're entertaining. I love where they were in like the 70s mm-hmm. where it was like stupid gadgets, like silly situations, pun names, like mm-hmm. yeah, like that's what that's what makes James Bond James Bond. It's like the Austin Powers of it all. Like it's yes. like a little bit silly. And I like but, when James Bond is like kind of like kind of spy who like doesn't like to get dirty. He's like, "Ugh, I have to do this again." You're right, right. I'd totally. rather be in the casino, rather be having sex, like <laughs> does not want to Why be, am I even doing this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas Daniel Craig, I believe, like really wants to like fight for justice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like yeah. I totally get that. And yeah. you're right. I miss like the odd job who like threw his hat to kill people. Yeah. Like, that was his murder weapon was a bowler hat. Like Mayday had like iron butterflies she, like threw down like the Eiffel Tower. Like yes. <laughs> Could like, be that. Yeah. I don't think. I feel like I'm trying to think of like the more recent James Bonds, and I think it's mostly yeah. just guns. Yeah. It's there was mostly- like the. They Blofeld, they brought him back, Christoph Waltz, like, mm-hmm. and, like, they're not bad, but they're not as, like, they're not as silly. They don't have the, the goofy henchmen. They're, they're, like, three-dimensional, which is, like, good writing. It's just, as I said earlier, like, I prefer flat, evil, like, Jafar and Aladdin. Like, right, yeah, yeah. Um, that's funny. But you're on, I mean, you're, you're definitely, I mean, you're continuing on the writing path, and I feel like that's definitely where your career is taking you, uh, mm-hmm. albeit harder. <laughs> um, yeah, but but um, it's the one the one thing I've noticed with talking with some other writers is that it it is consistent work, yeah. at least oh, uh, compared to trying to book something. And unless you're like a series regular, which uh, you know is is a feat in itself to get to that point. But it's like unless you're a series regular, you may book something at the beginning of the year and again you know 
not the rest of the year or something, you know, but, um, it's a, least... oh, it's a, believe me, it's a great gig. And like, yeah. you're surrounded by some of like the funniest people, like totally. being in a room sometimes is such a joy when it's like, when it's good and like, you're all ripping on stuff. It's like so fun. Like, but also like, it is like a job and like, it is hard. And like, you're there at like midnight sometimes like trying to crack a story because like the old story got thrown out and like, yeah, it's not, I don't want, there's like a portrayal of it like on when you see like tv writers on television like they're like throwing like paper planes at each other yeah. <laughs> like I mean, it's so much not it like it's, it's just all goofing off and yeah hard job i think it's based on like maybe like 90s rooms are kind of like that like all white guys like schlubs like yeah. uh, messing around but like like it all looks like, like dirty really rock and mm-hmm like maybe just like i've been lucky to be in better rooms but like that is not the vibe and mindy is also like guys like we're not here to like goof off like yeah she's like one of the biggest like work horses i know like the hardest working person i've ever met and um, i mean you have to be uh mm-hmm. i mean she this the amount of work she's put out uh is incredible and she i mean she did so much to pave her own way and stuff um mm-hmm. that i mean yeah she's working on she's constantly working on stuff now she's attached to or is she the head writer of Never Have I Ever? Is she she's just a creator she, of that, she correct? Co- she co-created it with Lang Fisher, who's okay. the mother of my child, which is like yeah. this, this web I know, like everyone is connected. Um, oh, how funny. Kind of based on experiences in both of their childhoods. Um, yeah. And yeah, they're, they're both, she comes to the room a lot more than you would think for someone who has like so many shows and movies and books, like, is instrumental in like breaking story one through story 10. Um, wow. And yeah. Now um, wait, is, and, is the mother yeah. of your child also a writer then? Or is she yes, yes, in that world? Yes. Okay. I met her on the mini project. We started the same season, season two. So we had the same agent. So yeah, she was like, oh, you guys should get to know each other. And seven years later, we have a child. Holy cow. How crazy. So yeah, yeah. that's weird serendipity. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. And yet now Mindy is producing a, a pilot that I'm currently working on for Peacock about that experience of having a child as a gay man with your friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's, and it's it's such a fascinating idea and it's such a unique idea to to do. I'm, like, I'm excited for to see where it goes. Um, I, get, I frequently get like, or I think many people get like bored with their own life because they've told the story like many times, like, I forget like me being on Jeopardy was interesting because like it happened to me and I've told it a million times, but like doing this outline on for the show about my child, Mm -hmm. I had to remember to put things in parentheses like, oh, like this part sounds far-fetched, but this is literally what happened. Like Mm -hmm. the more outlandish parts of the plot are directly pulled from my real life. Um, Yeah. Isn't that funny though? Like there are things that I feel like I've run across that in things where people are like oh that's not real that's too far-fetched and you're like no this but it happened like this is even like just telling a story in general or something they're like yeah that's crazy you're like no this this is this happened i shouldn't have to edit it because it's this is what happened and and i've even changed it from my real life like i made them like not be people who work together because like well that would be like an hr issue i'm like oh was it because that's what we did (laughs) how weird though like how weird did you have to edit your own story because it is, yeah, I mean, it's like it's your, it's it's almost a biography or not a biography yeah. of, of sorts. I also don't want, but you also don't want to make it like one to one. Like the the character totally. is yeah. like similar to me but different, and her character is, is quite different from her. Totally. Because like I think if you show it in real life, we like get along and like not a ton of dramatic things happen. Like yeah. the most boring episode of a sitcom would be the most exciting day of your life. <laughs> right. Not yeah. an incident these people go through. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, you do. And then that's, that's probably smart to separate it early. Otherwise it's going to be harder to split those hairs down the road. But you um, also like, <laughs> I'm pre-editing myself like, Oh, like, I hope like my parents don't think like these characters are based on them. Like I've fully gone off the rails, like there, like, yeah. Or like any, like the character that is like my boyfriend, I'm like, that's not you, Tony. I have to, like, but everyone's going to think I'm like making digs at semi-autobiographical stuff is like a, a viper's nest yeah yeah you know, uh, champagne problem to have yeah i totally get that um yeah just uh, other writings and sketches and things like that. is it about me and like no no it's not mm-hmm. all right well who's this person uh it's literally made up it's like 
Yeah. Um, I mean, people want people want like stuff to be. It's like so exciting. Like, ooh, based on a true story. They um, do. I can't tell you how many times. Frequently, they'll assume a character is based on you or like ha- has the same point of view as you. Where frequently, I think we need to like allow like, hey, frequently, like the writers, like we think our main character is doing a bad thing, and it's good for that character to like make those mistakes. Like, ooh she treated her boyfriend that way. Do the writers think that everyone should treat their boyfriend that way? Like, no, she's a valuable person. She makes mistakes. Yeah. I think that's the place to show that kind of stuff too. Like it, you're, mm-hmm. it's good to show people falling. So, and, and doing horrible things. Sometimes so you could point it out and be like, that's a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like people yeah. don't get that sometimes. I, I've seen that in shows where they like got a backlash and you're like, no, they, they're just pointing out a bad thing. Then they're, they're not okaying it. They're just shedding light on it. I mean, you, you have to be careful and make sure that the show in some way has a point of view character who is like calling out that behavior or the person themselves understands it's wrong or like, because there is that problem sometimes that people identify with an anti-hero so much. Like mm-hmm. on Breaking Bad, like everyone was rooting for Walter to the point where people were sending like death threats to Anna Gunn who like played his wife. But if you think of things from her point of view, she's like entirely in the right. Like her husband is like ruining their life. Right. Because you're so like, want him to get the things he wants and she's standing in his way it's like oh no yeah so there are it's like okay you have to think about like even when you are pointing out someone's wrong like people can latch on to that you can be like glamorizing something definitely definitely i always found it interesting when i was doing uh certain stand-up jokes where like i would fabricate certain things to make it funnier and then people yeah. would uh, like be like oh my god i can't believe that happened i'm like that that yeah. didn't happen they're, they're like it would just not be as funny if i told it exactly as it did happen yeah i think people you gotta like peel when you pierce that illusion for anyone like it really bugs them i know it's so because I mean, people that come I, up afterwards and they're like so did it is this the way you know the way it happened and i'm like no just don't ask and like you forget people's like level of tv literacy which like who cares about like entertainment like no one should have to know the insides and outs of our job yeah um, but like there are people who like get upset when they realize like the actors aren't coming up with the lines themselves mm-hmm. um, or like think that each writer writes for a different character. That's a common misconception. That's like so wild. Like what character do you write for? And, like, oh, how that would be such a weird way to write a show. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, that'd be fascinating. <laughs> well, um, why are you like, writing you... for that character? You should be writing for that character. Yeah. The one that really bugs people out of the industry the most, I think is like when you point out like, how fake reality has to be like, Hey, they're not just like having cameras set up at this restaurant and like having a positive, like set up to get coverage of both sides. Like probably had to repeat this conversation in different ways. Like deal probably had like beats of what was supposed to happen. Like, no, 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 don't. It's like Santa Claus. It's like, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I was wrong. Actually it is all, it is all real. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, no. Where are you guys? Uh, are you guys being held up at all with the development of this new show with, with everything going on with COVID and stuff, or is that almost giving you more opportunity to write because other things are on hiatus? Um, it, yes and no. It's like the timing has been weird. It took a while to get like the deal done, but like I have a new draft in that I really like, um, but we're filming season two of never have I ever right now. Right. Yeah. So like I've been on set for that a lot. I was like the on-site writer for most of season one, which is another thing I've graduated into and had to learn like cool. first many seasons on many product I was fully like divorced from being on set. Just like in the room, right, right, right. And yeah. like seeing like on set, like, oh, this doesn't work. We have to rewrite it right now. We have to oh, nice. give some acting notes uh, with the director to make sure like, oh, that wasn't the way we intended that joke to go. Um, but do, do you like being on set, on set as a writer and stuff? Do you feel like you get a little more hands-on with it or just a new experience? It's just different. I think you, it, on set is just like the thing is it's grueling. Like you're there for the 12 hour day, start to finish watching the same scene be filmed over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, but it is a really, I, I think it's, it's good. I'm there as like a writer slash actor because it is a job of both like being like a, able to rewrite a joke real quick and able to give acting notes and able to think about larger production things that you kind of have to grow into. And it's quite stressful because sometimes I don't like, I have to like make the decision on something on the fly. That mm-hmm. could have, when I was, especially when I was in London covering set, there was like, no one is awake in the US. I have to like, the director is asking if we can technically cut this scene because we won't make the day. And I'm like, I don't feel like I should be able to authorize this, but it book stops with me right but now. Okay, nobody's awake. Yeah. Yeah. I was like texting Tracy Wigfield, oh. right? Like, I think, I think it, the, the 
storyline works without the scene. We really need to get the day. Um, oh, man. So like good pressure situations, but like yeah. the room is is also a great place to be. Um, yeah. But and yeah, we're in the middle of production oh, right now on season two um, on a little hiatus right now because of uh, there's a global pandemic. Um, is there but now? hopefully we'll be able to finish that sometime. Are you guys are you guys uh, on the early stages of season two or are you guys pretty far into it? We're almost halfway through. So okay. okay. Maybe maybe we'll release like a half season and a half season, like 1015. Yeah. Also, uh, like, don't, no one should take it as a scoop listening to this. <laughs> like I know nothing about no, what yeah. the plan is. Everyone is truly taking it week by week. No, no, yeah. I'm um, just like it because it, it's interesting. Literally, the news is changing like day by day of yeah. how of, like is production gonna be closed down for everybody? Um it seems like it's going that way we were doing great for a long time i mean Mm -hmm. luckily we have a crew and extra covid people there who are really looking out for us everyone's very respectful i wear a a mask and a shield all day yeah and we get tested five days a week um but still like yeah if you get enough positive cases on the lot or on your production just for you know at the end of the day keeping people alive is more important than important. episodes of a netflix show i is something i've learned yes um, keep people alive more than entertained uh yeah although people value um, their entertainment uh yeah oh they do yeah they do they do netflix has been really been keeping keeping people going this this year yeah i mean totally and it's been fun for us because we've gotten to watch a lot of shows that we hadn't seen uh yet because you know there's just it's hard to watch everything you can't watch everything I've also uh, had the realization of like, if I didn't watch it during 2020 COVID pandemic, I'm never going to like, I guess I have to let the rest of Westworld just float down the river if I yeah. didn't get back into it now. Yeah. Sorry, I, yeah, I realized I, I will never see, uh, I'll never watch the Sopranos. Uh, never did. A never, lot of people have been doing Sopranos. Will. What's that? A lot. I, that's been like a really popular pandemic one. I've been seeing yeah. like, resurgence like there's movies i'll never see uh i've never seen the godfather i probably never will i haven't watched it through 2020 it's not gonna happen they just released like a re-edit of the third one i still i've seen one and two i think i may never dip into three yeah god bless them yeah i thought three was always like wasn't three always the one the one everyone hated yeah so yeah why would you why would you do that to yourself um well cool uh but yeah well i mean hopefully uh you know hopefully things go smoothly and and everything goes as normal as possible coming up mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and, and then of course you have to keep us posted on your uh on the new show uh, and hopefully that development yeah. and stuff keeps going through and then i'm Not assuming they, you probably wouldn't have to do is there a chance you would be doing both at the same time never have i ever and and my show i mean yeah. if i could schedule it i would love to stay involved in both i mean my pilot's in first position not to get too in the weeds in, in my life so that takes precedence um yeah. as it should it's the show i created um, right i was gonna say i guess if i follow it you know if it comes down to it you would jump in and do your show and uh but the cool the thing new... about these new like 10 episode type shows is like you can do two different shows during a year it used to be like mm. when you're in 22 24 episode series like that was your life that was the show you worked for and now like there's these big gaps between seasons and people go off and do another show and come back like, Oh, how were things over on Mr. Mayor or Brooklyn nine nine or yeah. And depending on where the windows are, which, Oh my God, it just came out yesterday. How mm-hmm. excited are you for Mr. Mayor? <laughs> I'm excited for you know, Mr. Mayor. I don't know. I am very curious to see how it takes place in LA. They made the decision post COVID. I'm like, you took a swing. Let's see how you, <laughs> you yeah. land it. Yeah. I'm just happy to see Ted dancing working again. Cause uh we watched him on the good place uh mm-hmm. during this and man has he revived his career in an awesome way National uh, treasure, dude yeah he's he's great and you know i think he obviously he had the cheers years and then he disappeared for a while but i think man he's doing such cool stuff with his late career and his um, marriage to mary steenburgen is is one of the most beautiful things in hollywood yeah <laughs> um that's awesome I don't know who that is. I don't know. Oh, you should. She was in Last Man on Earth, Oscar winner in 1980, Best Supporting Actress. Uh, you've oh. seen her in things. I probably, yeah. I, she plays I, a, I, a, the mom in Happiest Season. She, she's, you, once you I, see a photo. I'd recognize her. her. If I saw a photo, I'm sure I'd recognize her. Um, 
Uh, cool. Last thing, uh, and then I'll probably let you get going because I think our time's going. How excited were you to get uh, an at from Kylie Minogue? <laughs> totally. That that was one of the craziest moments of my damn year. I I saw that. I was just like scrolling through your thing that like recently, and I was like, hold, hold, hold up, Kylie Minogue wrote back to him because you and your son were dancing to her song, and I was like, yeah, oh, that's crazy. My son and I dressed up as the "Can't Get You Out of My Head" video for Halloween. Posted on, on Insta, and I was like, I'll tag her. It'll be a fun joke that I tagged her in this. And then at Kylie Minogue responded with some hearts that she loved it. That's amazing. Highlight, highlight of October. What a, oh, that's the thing I'll remember most of 2020. <laughs> Just that heart. It was five, five hearts. Yeah, from Miss Kylie herself. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, cool, man. I, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, it's so awesome to get catch up with you. It's yeah, I miss seeing you guys in in, in person, and God, like I, I can't wait to get back and and perform again because yeah, we don't have that outlet like we do. We've been doing sketches here and stuff, which has been fun, yeah. but uh, I, I miss the live performance aspect and even just you know getting to perform with you guys. So uh, we'll be doing forward. a crazy double initiation improv scene soon enough. Yes, yes, well, <laughs> can't wait. I look forward to it. But uh, I wish you the best with uh, with Never Have I Ever, and and good luck with your development, and uh, and look forward to hearing more about that. And uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you. Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to A Bit Unraveled. I'm Ryan Hansinger. We'll see you next week. <laughs>